Hello everyone and welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host this week, Ryan. How's it going everyone? And joining me is my guest co-host, Crofton. Hi Crofton. Hey, how's it going there, Ryan? Um, just out of curiosity, so like, you know, in the in the metaverse of the inn, you're the host, so like I'm coming in. You're maybe the innkeeper. You're running it and stuff. But then sometimes Jocelyn's the innkeeper. So like, do you go to her in on those days, or are is it that she runs it sometimes and you run it other times? Is it the same inn or is it different places? Just trying to clear this up. Um. Okay. Well, that's a great question. No one's ever questioned the lore of the gamers in, but the way we envisioned it at the beginning of the podcast is that this is the gamers in. So it's, it's not Jocelyn's. It's not mine. It's, it is all gamers. I see. So you are like the hosts that like the gamers have hired to entertain the guests when they come in. No. Um, well, maybe I guess, but I think the idea was it was some sort of mystical, magical place that only gamers could find. And, and, uh, and and they would be welcomed into the inn. I guess maybe we were the first podcasters to find it. I guess that could be like the origin story. You're the gamer in. You're the gamers in podcasters. I imagine this inn where there's these two people podcasting in the corner, and people are like trying to play games, and they're like, "Oh, Ryan and Jocelyn are at it again in the corner. God damn it!" Like the the thing is, it, it, we never really thought that much about it until, uh, well, I guess uh, twelve years later when we had Crofton on for the third or fourth time. And he just poked holes in our intro that we've been using. He started asking questions uh, about the inn. It took him a few times. He started looking around. He's like, what is it with this inn? Is it the same one that Jocelyn works at? I don't even know. And yeah, I get it. I get it, Ryan. I have I have circumvented your yeah. intro. Good job. But now, now I'm looking to put it back together because I, Ryan, am a gamer. And I would like to come to your inn to talk about video games. Well, we will certainly be doing that as we do every week. And uh, for those wondering, uh, Jocelyn's going to be off for a couple weeks. Uh, she's taking time for herself and um, she will be back, as as mentioned, in a few weeks. And uh, we'll keep everyone posted on how things are going. And uh, yeah, we've got lots of video games to discuss. We've got some guests lined up. And of course, Game Club is is still rocking as well. So lots of gamers in fun and of course, as I said, Jocelyn will be returning in a few weeks to this magical inn for gamers. She'll as... be back, people. Don't tune out yet. Who knows? She could show up later in this episode. She won't. But she, won't. she could. Just don't tune out. Come on, keep listening. No, keep li- certainly keep listening. Of course. Uh, but I'm just I'm just letting everybody know that don't worry. Uh, Jocelyn will be back in in a few weeks. Uh, like I said, she's just taking some time. And we'll be back shortly. Uh, but we've got some fun games to discuss because some fun games, Crofton, got released. Some even got shadow dropped just out of the blue. Here's a game. Enjoy. Shadow drop. That sounds very scary almost. Yeah. Um, I guess it's a term that people use like when games are announced and released. like, And it's available two hours from now. Um you can so, download yeah. it right now. Exactly. It's a big it was a big E3 thing. I remember Bethesda did it with uh Fallout Shelter. That's right. 
Yeah, and and you know they kind of and, and again it's just another Bethesda game we're talking about because the game I'm alluding to is also from Bethesda. But uh, I I feel like because Bethesda has such large games, you could I would also include Fallout Four as a shadow drop because they said it would be out in three months. And I mean honestly, we usually have to wait years from the announcement of a Bethesda RPG. So I would consider that a shadow drop as well. I I guess yeah. Uh- I feel that's more like what they did with Redfall today, but I guess we knew Redfall was coming. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, well, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, uh, let's talk about Hi-Fi Rush, your very first impressions, because you played it alongside many other folks yesterday when it launched um, on Game Pass for, for all. Uh, What did you think about this? Um, rhythm action game. So yeah, I downloaded uh, Hi-Fi Rush last night. I didn't have a ton of time with it, but uh, I'll, I'll be honest, Ryan, as soon as they showed it, I was like, that sort of thing on the surface is my jam. Like it's a jet set radio looking kind of colorful world. Looks like it's got a cool combat system. Doesn't take itself too seriously. Sunset Overdrive ish. Like there's a, there's a lot a lot of it that right off I'm like, oh, this looks great. And and normally when they shadow drop, to use a term I just learned about a few minutes ago, when they shadow drop something, I don't normally care about it that much. But in this case, it was like, wow, this is an amazing surprise. It seems to be so far. Uh, have you have you yet tried it? I have not had a chance to play it, although I did have a chance to download it and see it on the Xbox dashboard. But um, my impression oh. uh, for uh, the game, uh, at least when it was announced, it, is it just it and from the clips I've seen is that it marries uh, sort of animation style, 2D animation with 3D animation and these like very interesting and seamless transitions Looks and amazing. I know. I mean, I just I'm looking at I'm looking at the trailer and I'm I'm not I'm gonna play this just for the animation style and and the voice acting. Like on the 4K whatever Xbox Series X looking on the screen, I, it just and it has like a kind of a step out moment fairly early. You know those moments in those games, notably Bethesda games, where you step into a larger world. Well, it does that except it's like this colorful pop art and it just. Sh- blows into your eyes and you're like wow this is amazing but from the very first scene where the main character is like sort of <laughs> it's all played very tongue-in-cheek getting this you know pass to have surgery done uh, uh and uh it's all very like there's music pumping it's uh lonely boy from the black keys which is a song i like starts right right into that um and then flows right into the game throws the tutorials at you really fast, really fun. The big problem, Ryan, that I already have with this game and that I'm worried about is that, Ryan, you may not know this, and this may surprise you, but as a a white man in his mid-40s, I have little to no rhythm, Um, very little rhythm or sense of rhythm. And, uh, and yeah, a game that relies on rhythm, like if they stay true to what they said in the video about like, oh yeah, it's nice. It's good to have you get boosts and all that. But if I actually need to hit the beat properly to defeat enemies, I'm worried, Ryan. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that was also, uh, so another sort of action rhythm game that I think was way more dependent on having rhythm was, uh, metal 
Metal Slinger or Metal Singer. It was on Game Pass as well, and it was a more like heavy metal uh, inspired game. Uh, you were it was like Doom mixed with like an action rhythm game, and I was terrible at it. Um, but from what I've seen with the trailers for Hi-Fi Rushes, it's not as like dependent on the the rhythm. Like you're not doing it for every single thing. Is that accurate, or is it just? It kind of looked to be like in Hi-Fi Rush, it was more like, oh, you need to do a special move or get a combo going. Here comes some rhythm. Um, it's kind of hard to tell, but it, it kind of looked like it was less dependent than that uh, metal slinger. What is it called? Well, I That's can't right. speak to that other game, but I, I can tell you that the beat, the beat is always there. And you get this little robot buddy who kind of visually indicates the beat and you can even have sort of a beat indicator be placed at the bottom and i honestly i think i didn't want to do that because it obstructs some of your beautiful visuals but i think i am going to have to do it because um you know i am a more visual person and seeing exactly where to hit the beats because if you hit a few in a row uh then you can do like a power hit and um you know i i think there'll be areas in the game where power hits will be necessary maybe certain boss fights i'm not quite sure um it seems very very easy so far like you can totally mess the rhythm every fight it's one of those ones like bayonetta where you get in a battle and every fight is scored and for those of you who haven't been paying attention we've jumped just right in the details of this game uh it was presented at the xbox showcase it's like a a cel-shaded sort of cartoon as ryan explained it it's about a kid who gets the power of music kind of installed in the inside of him. It's like a science fiction a story in a fantastical world. And you're fighting these robots with essentially what looks like kind of a musical metal guitar. And um, you're, you have to time your attacks to the beat. So that's what differentiates it from a lot of these sort of fighting exploration games, you know, and if everything happens in the world to the beat, like if there's crushers, that you got to jump through they're crushing to the beat you know like everything is is attached to the beat and it's a really neat conceit um and uh like i'm curious to see how it unfolds because like i'm just like i just passed the very first tutorials so i feel like this is one of those things they'll build on as it goes and then they'll add new things or whatever and i'm worried that the musical the musicality of it for people who are rhythm challenged like myself it's going to be tough but i also think that they will have found some way to account for that um, and I just want to say one last thing before we move on from, from uh, Hi-Fi Rush or um, is that, uh, Ryan, one thing I've noticed over the past couple of years, and this is just a me thing, I know it's not an everybody thing, is that the games that I'm the most hyped about or that that like I'm following the development in the trailers, like they come out and, and often I only have two ways to go. I'm satisfied or I'm unsatisfied, but I can never be pleasantly satisfied like i can if i'm hyped for it and then i sit down and it's good i i can never be like oh wow this is so good because i expected it kind of to be good so it really only has one way to go which is down and so the games that i have enjoyed the most over the past couple of years have been games that i totally did not either know about before like hades when that came out and i know it was in early access but i didn't play it or pay any attention to it then it came out I played it and I loved it. It was like my game of the year and I didn't follow it. I wasn't like I it had I had no expectations. And last year and I last year I know tons of people 
were excited about Elden Ring and were following it really closely. I was not one of them. I did not really care about Souls likes or anything like that. And then when it came out and it did so well and it appealed to me, it was kind of like a really nice surprise. Uh, and and therefore, you know, at the end of the year, I'm like, wow, that was my game of the year. So this year, I'm not saying Hi-Fi Rush is in that that company, but it's it's those these are the games that I love the most these days. Games that I don't even see coming. I don't place artificial expectations on. They just are awesome, you know. And so hopefully uh, the game continues to be great, strong start. But yeah, I'm like the fact that they shadow dropped a game that is seemingly this big by such a big studio that looks so awesome. I mean, ballsy move, Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, when it got announced, I. I thought like, whoa, could this be a Sunset Overdrive sort of like sequel follow up type thing? Because it really does have that feel. And it's actually uh, from uh, Tango Works, the the folks behind Evil Within and last year's uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, which still has not arrived uh, on Xbox. So (laughs) Hi-Fi Rush has kind of uh, lapped its uh, previous uh, title that uh, from that studio. but yeah, it's uh, it it looks like a lot of fun. I'm going to dive into it for uh, next week for sure. I just because it literally came out last night uh, as of this recording, and it's also like a really good combination for for Game Pass. I think like Game Pass is one of those subscriptions, like all subscriptions, that really benefit from that. What's what's coming out next? Like what's on the horizon? You know, uh, I can't wait for Microsoft to drop the list of upcoming games and. I think whenever there is like a Microsoft announcement, they do lean heavily into the availability on Game Pass. And, you know, while that is great, it's also really awesome to have this like this is coming out later today. And yes, it's on Game Pass and you'll be able to enjoy it with next to no barriers. If you're already subscribed, you just go ahead, download it. It's yours to play uh, at your leisure. And I think that's such a great you know, use of their, of their service that they have set up. I mean, it's kind of, um, it's, it's kind of one, like in, from the video game perspective, like there's, there's really nothing else like it, um, you know, out there in terms of just the expectations that are surrounding game pass. Um, cause we knew every game that was going to be in that Microsoft, uh, announcement was going to be coming to game pass. Cause it was specifically focused on first party developers, but the fact that Hi-Fi Rush was out like an hour after the presentation, that was a pretty, as you said, a pretty ballsy move. And and honestly, I think uh, Microsoft needed to do something because um, they did not have uh, a first-party release outside of um, uh, penul- penultimate, pen- pentiment, not pentiment, pentiment, pentiment. <laughs> Not peppermint. Uh, that was the one. That was the only one that Microsoft had first party last year, uh, and and uh, you know, it, it, well received, except for the third act, from what I've heard from you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's nice that uh, Microsoft is starting in January and not waiting until November. It just year. is kind of strange, Jake, when you think about it. Like, how close to the finish line were they on Hi-Fi Rush, and like, could they have gotten it? You know. When you say it like that, it just seems mind-boggling that they decided to shadow drop this instead of, you know, talking about it all year, then releasing it maybe in December or whatever. You know, it just they, it, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not saying one is better than the other. It is just interesting that this is the avenue that they they went through. I will say that it. 
I think I think, and I don't even know this for true, but I think it garners them more goodwill with me. It definitely makes me. Um, I may have, you know, not lost it in Game Pass. You know, Game Pass will be like, "What's new on Game Pass?" And they'll be they'll put up stuff every week. And if you're paying attention, you'll be like, "Oh, this is up." And sometimes it's a day one indie or something on Game Pass, or and and if this had just gone up with a batch of other things. I might not have clued in, but by Microsoft giving it that giant platform, uh, it then it then was like, oh, I should check this out. This is a big one, you know, um, and uh, and it so far seems to be. Uh, but yeah, keen to keen to hear what you think next week, and uh, I'm keen to to hear what I think next week because I um, I just started into it, and it's got all the makings of a game that uh, I would like. It starts strong. Let's see, let's see how how it does. But for me, Ryan, like, and I know we're going to talk about the rest of the conference. That was the highlight of the conference. Like when you have an actual game that's being announced that turns out to be awesome. Uh, that's to my liking. Uh, I mean, you can't do much better than that in a conference yeah yep top marks top marks uh well the next game we're going to talk about is uh fire emblem engage and honestly this was going to surprise nobody at home that uh, ryan is playing a fire emblem game uh the week it comes out and this is the latest entry main entry in the franchise uh fire emblem engage and um crofton i know you played three houses uh, so this conversation is probably going to be focused on uh, early impressions of Engage because I'm not very far um, about Chapter Seven. Um, it's just been that sounds far. It does, doesn't it? But uh, honestly, when it comes to these games, I feel like that's that's not too far. I mean, you think of Three Houses; it was a fairly large game uh, by Fire Emblem definitions. I mean, three and a half paths two parts to each path like uh, there was a lot yeah in that game each chapter is a battle right yes pretty much yeah okay um so so i'll start you with some questions because i try sure. to re I, I try to replay a fire emblem three houses recently uh i was looking for like a portable switch game and all this i ended up buying uh xenoblade chronicles 3 after, yeah. after quitting uh three houses um i had played it before i was trying to play a different campaign and what really, what I enjoyed so much the first time playing Three Houses, the running around the monastery and having tea with all my new BFFs, as well as the Fire Emblem battle system, which is always good. And like, you know, they it was probably as good as it's ever been at Three Houses at that time. Uh, but then on a replay, I was like, man, I am sick already of running around this annoying monastery. <laughs> it's so it's so big. There's people already. I, and I want to talk to them all. They have little things saying if you haven't spoken to them. I'm like, oh, between every chapter, I got to speak to all of them. Uh, and so I was, you know, I dropped I, the second playthrough. I was like, I'm not going to play this again. I don't have the patience to play through all of this. I like the battles. I like the story surrounding the battles. I don't like all the monastery stuff anymore. Like it didn't survive for me for a second playthrough. Fire Emblem Engage, from what I can tell, maybe less of that stuff. Very much so. Yeah, there's... Um, so to boil it right down, Fire Emblem Engage, um, in terms of the reviews, the reviews are not wrong in, in pointing out that the best gameplay Fire Emblem has ever had in terms of the combat and the tactical uh you know stuff that's in in the games um 
best best that you've had in the franchise. Uh, that being said, like there's very minimal required stuff between those battles. There is an area called the Somniel, which is like this floating castle area where you can uh, engage with uh, your 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 BFFs, as as Crofton put it, um, and and do various activities like training and you know. Um, uh, there's literally like a, you can polish your rings. So the idea is you have these rings uh, that summon characters from other Fire Emblem games. And I mean, there is stuff you can do in between the battles, but that it's far more optional than it was in Three Houses. Uh, Three Houses felt like the stuff in between. While I enjoyed it on my first playthrough, I, like you, really struggled um, and only ended up playing through uh, twice over the course of three years. Uh, and the second time I played through was was for a was for a game club I did on Summoner's Call. So like I had to be <laughs> I wouldn't say dragged back into the game, but um, I, I needed an excuse to to jump back in because honestly, to go through the monastery stuff again with the teaching and, and all that uh, you know meta game. There's far less metagame in this one. And if you want to go into the metagame and, you know, uh, check in with your, your, uh, like you get, you find this like pet. So there's this like pet in the Somniel. So you can, you can feed it, you can pet it, you can get like what's called like bond fragments that is like a material you can use to, to, to summon more rings. There's like a whole bunch of stuff you can do in the Somniel. But like if you're playing on, like myself, normal, casual, or even normal classic, where the only difference is when a character dies, they're gone for good. You know, that's the difference between casual and classic. But like, if you're playing it on normal, you don't need to worry about min-maxing every little thing in the Somniel. You can just kind of do what you find interesting. Let's say you do want like a, a buff for the next battle. Just like Three Houses, there is like a cooking thing you can engage in and and uh you know pick a couple characters it builds support between them and you get a, a buff depending on what meal you make um it it's small it's minimal stuff but like it does offer like that bonus of like building support between your characters which unlocks more story and and unlocks you know perks on the battlefield uh but not as um involving as three houses where you are you're going through the teaching stuff. You're you're talking to every character. Um, there's far less like side dialogue in this one, where in the Somniel, you like you can see on the map that they're all all your friends are there, and you can go talk to them. But their lines, unless they have like a little you know um, speech bubble above their head, uh, they don't have anything new to say. Or any, and even when they do have something new to say, it's kind of like, hey, we should go back and we should get ready for the next battle. Like, it's very, it's not like, it's not like Three Houses where you had to sit there and listen to every character talk because they had scripted something unique to that chapter that would shed more light on their character or what's going on or the history. Like, this feel, like, the story feels like a much more simpler more traditional Fire Emblem story where there is uh, there's an evil dragon. A thousand years ago, you vanquished it. You sleep for a thousand years. Hey, guess what? The dragon's back, Crofton, and you have to fight it. And it's bad. And you're good. So sweet. That's that's the that. Look, I'm boiling the story way down, and I, I'm not very far. 
But like that's how it begins is basically you there's a bad dragon, you're a good dragon. Um there are various continents that are friends and foes. Um there are 12 rings to to rule them all. But so. but getting back to your polishing the rings. Yeah. Uh yeah. in like I in how much you like to ring polish. I was just thinking about um the you know the it seems to me the sales the sales thing for this game is that all the these retro fire emblem characters, right? Like and so uh to get them to all fit in the same space you kind of need i don't want to say a bland framework but you need like you need a framework that is very clear cut like there's a big evil we need to all come together cuz otherwise the alternative is to really get complicated and have all these characters come in through the you know and or cameo and and for their personality to ring true most of them are because they're the heroes of the respective games most of them are probably earnest forthright individuals but like to get them all on the same page you need something kind of i don't know pretty pretty i i i'm stuck on bland but you no. know what i mean uh that's a re- i had not really thought about that and i think you make a very valid point in that like of course it really feels like, if you look at the marketing it really feels like the the main draw of this game is that you have brought back um and this is this has never been done for a mainline fire emblem game um there has been some side you know games like they did a warriors game where they brought back a bunch of characters obviously there's fire emblem heroes where which is totally focused on on every single character that ever existed in fire emblem but this is like a focused you know picking and choosing of characters from every fire emblem game including the ones that have not released here in north america and you're right like to have um a very straightforward focused um story that helps you bring in like all these other characters because the idea is is that the the emblems which reside in these rings and and the reason I don't know well I guess you would know why the rings are getting getting dirty because you're you're bringing them into battle and you know battles can be messy so like uh the, again and this goes back to the whole optional part like you can go in there and you can polish the rings and that gives you bonuses to you know your bond with that character you literally even choose uh the character you want to to polish the rings um and that builds you know bond between that character and and the emblem but you're right like in terms of the story you need something very you need that framework that that doesn't distract you from the fact that this is a fun celebration of a franchise that's been around for over 30 years um and also they don't like they don't like knock it over your head in the sense that you know like you need to know everything about this character for their introduction to be to make sense you know they don't say like oh this is lucina from fire emblem awakening which is related to marth's game from a thousand years before like they don't go into that detail they just say that's the you know um what do they say they say the emblem of the the princess exalt and like for a fan of the franchise you know exactly what that means but for someone who maybe hadn't played awakening it's like that looks like the character from a previous fire emblem game and that sounds like a fire emblem title and it all just works you know it's not expecting you to know every little thing and i think that's what makes you know the best part of the game even better is the gameplay because they really use those emblems to mix things up where you pair those emblems with characters 
that will give them buffs and additional abilities, but also you can choose to engage with those emblems during battle, and you basically turn into a super unit for like three turns, where you can do, you have like one special move, and you have an additional, you have access to an additional weapon that you wouldn't normally have access to with your your class, and uh, it just, it it takes the strategy and kind of like, really mixes things up and they've added a couple other things to the gameplay to make things snappier. Um, like you can, you could do weapon breaks. So, you know, the weapon triangle Crofton, if you've played three, uh, three houses, you obviously have experienced the wonder of rock, paper, scissors in the yes. fire emblem yeah. games. Um, yep. so if you, you know, take a sword into an ax battle, you're going to break the enemy's, uh, weapon or stance. And essentially if you use a sword against an ax, They'll drop the axe and you get you get a guaranteed double hit. And then for the rest of that turn, their axe is on the floor and all your allies can come in and and fight that character without having to worry about them fighting back because they've dropped their weapon. So that's a new move there with the with the breaking of stances. Um, and they've added a couple others, too, that I'm that I'm still discovering. I think I just discovered they. So I just got introduced to the smash ability. So certain characters and certain weapons, um, what they'll do is they they don't get to attack first, but when they do attack, you'll knock the character back a space. So it kind of gives you opportunity to maybe push enemies off of um, terrain that is that is at uh, uh, gives them an advantage, or off a fort which can help heal them. So like they've really changed up the gameplay, and I think that's where you see engage getting a really strong um reaction to the gameplay and some saying like myself i think this is this is the best gameplay we've had in a fire emblem game the story not so much some of the characters like i know crofton you struggle with you know the the silliness sometimes of uh like three houses was very serious um for the most part i think i I feel like it was a very serious game do you agree uh uh mm. (laughs) It was more it, serious than than engage is kind of what I'm getting at, I guess. Okay, yeah, no, I I would just say it's it is tough for these uh, you know Japanese anime RPG style where there you know the, there's some very exaggerated characters that are super goofy, and I'm just like thinking about all these these scenarios <laughs> of like uh, you know cooking in the cafeteria with the ponytail girl being so excited, and then I'm just like it's but I. At the same time, yes, it was a tale of sort of war, despondent war, uh, and so so yeah, I would I would say that like looking when I compare it to something like I don't know, maybe Persona or something like that, it's it's definitely more so I guess somber. Yeah, like I think Three Houses took itself very seriously, and I think that's where Engage is. It doesn't. I don't think it takes itself as serious. The story doesn't take itself as seriously. Like, there's a lot of over the top characters. Like everybody's kind of over the top. Everybody's happy to be there. Um, you have your traditional, you know, Fire Emblem characters, like the really excited character, and then the really somber character, really quiet character. Uh, like all of those, you know, Fire Emblem tropes are back. But I think they've uh, they've really ratcheted them up. Um, so if you found certain characters in three houses, like certain archetypes to be annoying, if that archetype comes back and engage or is there, it's probably going to drive you to, to never choose that character out on your adventures. Uh, but that's where the benefit is that there's so many characters in this game 
Um, that was another thing I figured like, because there was going to be 12 emblems and they were going to bring more focus to these previous games. I thought, well, maybe the cast of, you know, original characters would be, you know, smaller. And I know this was a point that came up in discord a couple times and, and no, like they are introducing like fire emblem previously, like one to three characters, every chapter that you're recruiting. So there's lots, lots of options to choose from. And, and, um, but yeah, like I said, the story is, uh, it, it's not a series, but as you said, it's, it's, it's nice. Cause it, it helps you not worry too much about there being like 12 random characters from other games. It, it, those feel like they fit within the story that they're telling. So that's not jarring. And I, I was worried it would be, but like they've really improved upon two things, two problems I had with three houses. Like some, like the gameplay was what it was. It was, it was fire emblem. It was good. But like they've found a way to improve upon it, which was surprising because uh, it was already really good. And also something we haven't talked about is the the graphics. Like, you know, Three Houses was kind of we used the the descriptor of bland for for Engage's story, which, you know, to kind of describe what we were trying to think of. But the graphics in Three Houses were were pretty bland, you know, like it was very basic medieval architecture. Yeah, they wanted it to be muddy a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it was still like very anime, but also like kind of, you know, less colorful than than maybe you would expect from other, um, uh, you know, from, from a game like this. Yeah, but Engage is very colorful. It's beautiful, uh, you know, in the, in the way they've crafted, you know, both the characters and the backgrounds. Um, and there's this one... Piece I keep going back to with three houses that in some of the dioramas where the characters are talking, you could literally see the seams in which they had like sort of bent the background to go from the floor to the wall. And sometimes you, yeah, um, as uh, uh, Eddie and Discord was saying, like you could see sometimes the way the tables would would kind of bend in weird places. Like it just. It it um they did what they what they could and obviously the focus was on the story and the characters talking but the backgrounds could be distracting but honestly I have not noticed any of that in Engage, you know they've really put a lot of work into building these backgrounds and these dioramas where the characters are talking and and it it's not distracting it looks amazing, um and I would even say like they they feel so confident in in the way you know the maps look because you know at the end of every combat it zooms right down where you can walk around as your character and you can again you can talk to all your characters you can you know uh find items on the ground again you don't have to spend a lot of time there you can just talk to the people who have something important to say and move on it's usually one or two or usually just the new characters but it all looks great you know whether you're looking at it top down or you're right down there walking around in third person and you're kind of looking around or, or, or in combat too. So yeah, like I think like gameplay is really great. The graphics are amazing. And you know, as long as you go in, don't expect like three houses, at least early off the bat in terms of story. Uh, again, maybe once I get further, I'll have, I'll have uh, something different to say about the story, but it, like it, it does its job to allow us to revisit these characters that we normally wouldn't see in another Fire Emblem game. Cause like it's usually one and done with these characters and um sometimes I, I, not even that if you're bad yeah that's true that's true because uh, they die yes of course like they die they give a big speech and and because uh, it's permadeath ryan oh yes yeah there's permadeath. i'm not playing with permadeath you know and honestly it came down to the fact that i just feel like i don't have time to 
redo maps when one of my favorite characters died. Yeah, no, no kidding. I'm like, I no offense. I'm so beyond permadeath now. Like, I'm just, just forget it. Any yeah. game with permadeath, I'm like, there's a switch to turn it off. It's off. I yeah. don't care. Even though there is the ability, like in Three Houses, to turn back time, and if you're playing on normal, there's you can do it an unlimited amount of times. Uh, although it is limited if you're playing on hard or uh or maddening we we have a we have a a channel in the discord for fire emblem and the folks in there have a played way more than i have and b just have a you know a vast knowledge of of these characters and systems so um you know shout out to them to 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 keep me in the loop on fire emblem engage but uh i'm slowly making my way through it and uh i have only um retrieved uh, four emblems so i've got eight more to go probably lots of lots of game left to enjoy so i'll be playing this one for a while crofton um what do you got here what's what is the excavation of hobbs barrow did you pick up landscaping is this what you're doing no have you like have you legit not heard about this game i have not heard I mean, I might have. I I think the last time I heard about it was when you tweeted that you bought it or something. I can't okay. remember because it, it came out on Switch uh, this week uh, and is getting reviews on Switch Did right it? now. Uh, but uh, it's it is a PC game and I'm playing it on Steam Deck. Uh, I'm actually playing this game with my wife, which is really fun. Um, and uh, there's a, a lot of reasons why this is a good game to play together but the excavation of Hobbs barrow is an adventure game point and click in the classic style of the sierra and lucas arts games uh and it's made by this company wadjet uh uh i games which has made all pretty much all of the the new wave of, of classic pixel art um point and clicks uh of which there are uh, many from gemini rue uh, to the Blackwell series, to uh, Unavowed, which is one of my favorites as well. So the excavation of Hobbs Barrow is the latest, and it, it takes place um, in the sort of late 1800s, I think, in, in uh, England. And you play as this uh, lady named Thomasina Bateman, who is uh, excavating barrows, which are like burial sites uh, for antiquities. And she's not married, which is scandalous at the time. Uh, and uh, there's a lot sort of going on with her, but it's one of those stories where she's dropped off at, on a tr- by a train early on in a town, and we've seen this in movies and books, probably video games as well, where things are not what they seem, you know, like you go in and everybody's saying stuff, but there's like a secret in the town, and you you know that like, uh, you know, there is something hidden that you're going to need to figure out. It's also like, so it's all in pixel art. Uh, it's very nice pixel art, but it's done in a kind of foreboding style. And and my wife, who's like playing a lot of pixel art right now, she plays Stardew Valley with Gwen and then my daughter, and then turns over to play this, this game with me. It's sort of like, this isn't as nice looking as Stardew Valley. It is in fact, much more detailed pixel art than Stardew Valley. It's just that, it is much more depressing. It's supposed to be like a cold and desolate sort of place a little bit. It's supposed to be foreboding. It's raining all the time, all of that sort of stuff. The voice acting is amazing. Um, all the characters, the town characters are, are great. Uh, it really uh, reminds me of the very first Gabriel Knight game, except in a different setting. In that game, it was really funny because Gabriel would walk 
to person to person and he, he would be able to interrogate them and, and you would get a list of things and you could always ask them about voodoo because it was like the voodoo murders in that game and tim curry who was the voice actor the way that he would he would deliver the line he'd be like tell me about voodoo was was always uh was always good for a laugh for me, especially to random people. Like, you know, it's like some traffic cop. You're like, what do you know about voodoo? Well, um, Thomasina has has that as well because she's always asking about Hobbs Barrow. Nobody wants to tell her where it is or knows where it is. And she's always asking about the guy who sent her a letter inviting her to this town, this guy named Leonard Shoulder. Do you know a Mr. Leonard Shoulder? And you can ask everybody, kids, adults, all of this. <laughs> so it's a slow burn at the beginning is what I'm saying. Like you're going around this town. Everything is mysterious. People are giving you the runaround. There's typical adventure game puzzles. Um, it's it's branded a folk horror game, and there are definitely spooky bits. It feels spooky in the way Silent Hill feels spooky, not in the way, not like necessarily jump scares. Although there was one that got has already gotten my wife to uh, scream, which was pretty funny. Uh, but but I will I will say it. Um, the the meat and potatoes of the game has not, and that's a British joke, has not really started yet. Uh, like I'm on day two, I, you know, I've just found Hobbs Barrow. I'm trying to get permission to excavate it. I know it doesn't sound very glamorous, but for people who like story-based adventure games with rich characters, I mean, it seems like a good one. And I feel like when it gets going, just like a good book, like when it gets really going uh, and things are already starting to pick up, I feel like I'm going to be coming back and be like, wow, that game is so good. The reviews seem to say that it is a pretty good um, traditional point and click adventure game. And uh, yeah, I've, I'm really enjoying it so far. And what's great is, is like about these adventure games is because, you know, there's not a bunch of movement. My wife, when she watches me play games, uh, that are in the first person perspective, or even that flash a lot, she gets motion sick very easily. Um, she doesn't like that stuff, but Hobbs Barrow is like, you know, you're going from one screen to the next one environment to the next. You're talking to characters, you're selecting choices, you're picking up items and using them for inventory based puzzles. It all goes together quite nicely in the way that those old Sierra and Lucas arts games do. So yeah, I, it's good. Like it's a good game. Uh, I, I have a huge soft spot for this type of game. This is the type of game that got me into video games. It was the type that had good stories before good stories were a thing in games, but uh, it hasn't got its hooks in me totally yet. So I, I'm not really ready to unabashedly say, Ryan, oh, you should play it. Because right now where I'm at, I think it's too dry for somebody that didn't grow up with these type of games, even though the voice acting is like top notch. Yeah, I uh, I really miss um, these type of games when, when I was younger. I mean, like I jumped in right around the NES slash Super NES era. I missed a lot of like the point and click um, early PC games. We never really had a. But see, yeah. in that era, SNES, like if you went to PC, the uh, PC always had more advanced, you know, graphics, right? Like Gabriel Knight came out, I think, in 1993. Right. And at that point, like, you know, to, deep into the Super Nintendo's or into the Super Nintendo's mid Super Nintendo life cycle. And if you compare like the graphics of Gabriel Knight in terms of pixel art detail and all that to what's being done on the Super Nintendo, it was obviously more impressive. 
pixel art. And these this Hobbs Barrow, like if it had been released at that time, would be like an amazing looking game. But released in 2022, like it's funny because like you have to almost adjust your eyes as like it switches resolutions to this. And everybody's talking about like, you know, 4K, 60 frames, all of this sort of stuff. This is like going to really big blocky pixels. But it harnesses your imagination and does does the job uh, well enough. the The thing is, is that it, it is trying for a certain foreboding. Uh, I find pixel art tends to work better to, for cheerful, and uh, it, it they've nailed it. It is foreboding, but it's just like I almost feel like I would have liked it to have been sharper art for for that for what they're the story they're trying to tell. I would like to see Thomasina's facial muscles react to some of the things that she's seeing or the lies people are telling her you know so it is it i i i get that it's probably a tradition thing to do pixel art it's probably also easier uh less cost and less expensive maybe i'm wrong on that but uh i i kind of wish that this one even though i like most of them being pixel art it feels like this one might have benefited from not being pixel art anyway okay Interesting. Well, yeah, there you go. Uh, the excavation of Hobbs Barrow on Steam runs on Steam Deck, and you said it just launched on Switch, right? Yeah, just this week it launched on Switch, and I think it's getting pretty good reviews. One thing I'd be curious about the Switch version. I again, I'm playing it on Steam Deck, uh, but uh, it's really, I mean, PC controls. It's a point and click, so you're moving a you're moving a pointer, and I'm moving it with the controller. It's fine, whatever. Uh, and you know, you're clicking where you want her to go. You move up the pointer up to the top of the screen to get your inventory, just like you did in those older games. But I feel like for the switch audience that maybe they need to refine that a little bit better. So I'm curious if they made changes there because it, it does control like a PC game it, in the version I'm playing at least. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, we have one final game here before we get to the news and, uh, if befittingly it's an arcane uh, Bethesda Microsoft game uh, Deathloop. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Deathloop. I talked about it on our other show, Dungeons and Diapers. Uh, I had just gotten into it then. It makes a really strong first impression. And I just think it's really relevant in terms of the arcane, uh, both Redfall uh, uh, 10 minute video that they showed, but also how they kind of talk about themselves. They embrace their own mythology a little bit as a studio at the end of the video where they have people talking and they're saying like, you know, we, we, the environmental storytelling that we are known for. And it is true. Like this is something that the system shock and Bioshock, all of this, they were known for these handcrafted environments. You walk around, you find these items, they tell a story, audio logs, papers, everything. And, um, and uh, I know when Deathloop came out, a lot of the, the marketing was about how there's multiplayer and it was sort of confusing. Like would, would the other player be, would that interfere with you like taking in the world and all of that? Now I understand it a lot better having played it and it totally doesn't. And you can easily switch that mode off, but it, it has made me realize that I'm a bit of an arcane fanboy, uh, and uh, I am now much more excited for Redfall than I was previously because I recognized, no, wait, I like the types of games these guys make or, and, and girls, and it feels like Deathloop in particular was them saying, and I know it's Arcane Leon, it's not always the same studio, but it the same core company was like them saying hey we've done this like dishonored prey all this stuff 
we, we, we've mastered it and now we're going to take what we've learned and like remix it and, and death loop, which has you reliving the same day over and over, um, is a kind of clever version of that. And I have to say it starts really strong. I really liked it. I don't know if I'll be able to stick with it to the end. Um, I've, I've, you know, I'm already like, I've, I've, after the first two hours of tutorial, when you start replaying the day over and over, you're only going to these areas, these same areas. And, uh, and like, it's about getting that perfect loop, which there is an appeal to that. And maybe I will stick with it, but I can feel, I can feel it losing me as I, as I have a bad run. It doesn't have that same bad run feeling as a roguelike does where, where you're like, Oh, I got a little bit better. You know, it, it feels bad. Sometimes you're like, Oh, I got nothing out of that one. Or I lost everything that I had done the time that I invested in it. And so there's, there's some stuff that I don't necessarily like, but I cannot help but be floored by how well designed it is. It is like, it's made by geniuses. And, and when I think about, um, the the dishonor two and that level that gets all the attention the clockwork level where the castle is all on like did you did you play dishonor two ryan i did and i'm trying to remember there's a level um that got was very well celebrated about this sort of clockwork castle where all the rooms move around and things change and you can go behind the walls and all of this it was it's very very well regarded as sort of like a master class in level design and that is very impressive however this whole game, Deathloop, is that in an entire game. They have to take into account like four different areas at different times of day where conditions change, where characters will be in different areas. They have to link them all together. It's just so amazing and impressive. Like I'm floored by it sometimes. I'm like, somebody had to think about like how did they get a whole team to focus on this? So when in the Redfall trailer today or yesterday, they were talking about this is Arcane's biggest world ever, but it's all still handcrafted. I was like, Jesus, this could be insane. You know, it could be really uh, really impressive. So I realized that I'm a bit of a fanboy for Arcane, and I have an immense uh, amount of trust. And when Bethesda was bought by Microsoft, my first thing was like, like I think a lot of everybody's was, oh, Skyrim and the next Skyrim and Fallout. Like the, the, these are the big brands you associate with Bethesda. And yes, Bethesda owned Arcane, and I always loved Arcane games, but. As the deal is, as the dust is settled in Deathloop last year and or and now uh, and the year before and 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 now this Redfall, I just think, man, maybe Arcane was the steal, you know. Um, so it's it, anyway. I'm excited about Redfall more so because I'm revisiting Deathloop. For those of you who haven't tried Deathloop, it's on Game Pass. You can you can download it now. I really suggest the first couple of hours at least. It's really really fun as you're thrown into this world. The gameplay is good. It's not like you know it's it's a first person shooter. You can mantle on things. You can. It's very similar. Like Bo and I are playing Borderlands Three right now. It's very similar to Borderlands Three in, in many ways on how it feels, except it's completely different in terms of it's a world that you can totally explore and go go crazy in and interact with in different ways and uh yeah anyway Deathloop, very cool game again despite all the things that i said that i loved about it i may not see it through because it is uh the same areas over and over again it is like kind of solving puzzles sometimes i feel like it sometimes i don't when i step away sometimes i'm like oh maybe i'm done with that so definitely it it 
you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a home run. It's almost more impressive as as a concept than it is a game, but still very, very much worth checking out. There you go. Yeah, and uh, another game that I picked up and loved, played played a chunk of, and then never went uh, never went back to. And now it's on Game Pass. I think I even have a Steam code from a Humble Bundle. So lots of fun Deathloop opportunities. I will say about Deathloop is like you make a point because you bought it on PS5 because it was a PS5 exclusive. That was the joke, right? That it was it was during Microsoft then bought them. And this game was a PS5 exclusive and it took the timed exclusive. It took time for it to come to Xbox. But I, I just, that's what I mean about Arcane being the secret weapon in this deal. Like, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of reviews were 10 on 10 for Deathloop. And I understand why you would give it that. And then there were some reviews that were eight on 10 and I understand why you would give it that as well. So like, and I understand why you Ryan would be like, Oh, I'm going to start playing this, but I'm not going to necessarily come back to it. I get that too. So I could get why it's somebody's favorite game of all time. If somebody told me that I'd be like, that makes sense to me. I could also make, it would make sense to me if they, they, they dropped after three hours, you know? So strange like that. Yeah. I I do want to get back to it, uh, yeah, at some point, and and maybe it would. Uh, no, it might it might not make a good game club. It's it's as you said, it's very open ended, and you would need um, you would need to guide people in a specific specific way so everyone's playing. But uh, it could be a good one of like play for a month, and then we all we all discuss. We've we've talked about doing like a game club where it's like a a more traditional book club. Um, so maybe maybe that one would fit that bill because i don't think it's a super long game it's just a approach it at your own pace slash you know uh, uh well approach it any way you'd like right like well it it's if you like it's a knowledge-based game because the just for those who don't know the idea here is you're stuck in a time loop and you've got to kill these visionaries um to essentially break the loop uh and you were once one of them and there's clearly a story there and you're sort of discovering it more as you go. But the idea is that some of the visionaries are only in certain spots at certain times of the day. And it is just not feasible to kill them all within the same day. So you need to do some things in the world to ensure that one, they're supposed to stay far apart, that some of them would get together. Maybe you find out the two meet in secret at this location at this time of day. And then you're able to take them out. And then maybe you find out that if you do, if you just sabotage some piece of machinery, that will mean that another visionary is at a different place at a different time of day. So you have to, to meet all these conditions to move them around the board so that you can take out more than one of them at the same time to be able to do what is the perfect run. So you gain knowledge each time you do this. You're like, okay, like this guy's here. Every time you get a bit more knowledgeable. But – if you went on the internet and you just downloaded a walkthrough of like death loop, it that outlined what the perfect loop is, you could probably do it right away. Like if somebody gave me a write up of what the perfect loop is in the morning, go to this location, do this and this in the afternoon, go here in the evening, go here, blah, 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 and do all this. Well, then I could probably finish the game in half an hour. Who knows? You know? So that's the thing. It's as long as it takes you to figure out the loop. Uh, and that could take you a long time. I think it's designed to take you quite some time. Or if somebody tells you everything, it could be really quick. So, I mean, that's, that's the, 
the the thing there. I'm playing as honest as possible. Like I want to figure out everything organically by myself. Well, there you go. All right. Well, uh, we will certainly hear more uh, if you keep up your death loop adventures in the lovely podcast Dungeons and Diapers. So look forward to that in the near future. Uh, but before we wrap up the show, I want to uh, thank our January patron, Will. Thank you so much for being a patron of The Gamers Inn. You can join Will at patreon.com slash thegamersinn and support the show directly through Patreon. Uh, we also have our uh, February patron coming up soon, Grant, who says, we love you guys, stay frosty, and keep up the great work. Thank you, Grant, for the support. And um, I mentioned Game Club earlier. We do have our current TGI Game Club running right now, which is for Portal 2. We finished up Portal and moved right into Portal 2. It had been, man, a decade since I played that game last. Uh, I know we played some co-op maps for a couple extra lives. Um, So, uh, yeah, returning to the story, the main campaign for Portal 2, we're just heading into our second milestone, so there's still plenty of time to jump in. Uh, We'll be having that on Sunday, January 29th, and we'll be playing through to the uh, beginning of Chapter 7. So, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to revisit the Portal series. Uh, The only downside is that uh, we do not have a Portal 3, because uh, Valve is incapable of making uh, follow-ups to their sequels. Um, No 3s allowed, so... There you go. Although I I played the Steam Deck recently. Uh, when I got it, it came with a game that is designed to sort of show off its features. Yes. It's set in the world of Portal. I think there's a VR game that's set in the world of Portal. They have a bunch of games set in the world of Portal that are not Portal 3. Yeah, that is true. Uh, it's funny, though. If you go to the Steam uh, page for Aperture Desktop, which is the is the Steam Deck built-in game to kind of sh- test its features, and it's very portal uh, right on the de- description for the Steam game is, uh, this is not Portal 3. <laughs> so even Valve is like tempering expectations. Uh, although there has been rumblings lately of Portal 3 in terms of the writers saying they've got like a starting point. Um, and, uh, you know, when you, when you kind of, I didn't think of it at the time, but now playing Portal again, both Portal 1 and 2, it is really, to, uh, you know, um, a marriage of of two very distinct things, which is you've got the comedic aspect, all the writing that is taking place around the puzzles. So it's a puzzle game, but it's got really solid writing and, and yeah. very funny. Uh, Portal Two has some amazing voice acting with uh, you know Stephen Merchant and um, uh, uh, the guy who plays Cave Johnson, J.K. Simmons. <laughs> yeah, the guy from Spider Man, J.K. Simmons. The 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 angry loud guy from that drumming movie. Um, so there you go. Uh, Portal Two. We're playing it right now. If you were playing a there a Ryan Murphy, there you go. Drinking game. You would have had at least four or five drinks tonight because you're you're big on the there we go today. Here we go. Let's a go. <laughs> let's a go. Yeah, let's a go. It's uh it's time for a couple of quick uh, stories here, and then we'll head into the Xbox developer direct showcase uh first off this is very fitting um uh, a fellow avendad crofton uh you will no longer have to troubleshoot your square enix account unless you choose to play final fantasy 14 which i know a lot of people would love to see uh but um yeah marvel's avengers is coming to an end the final update has been provided on the future of the game 
in which uh, there will be one patch uh, at the end of March. And following that patch, uh, there will be no more content or features added. And all official support for the game will end on September 30th of this year. Um, I guess that exclusive Spider-Man did not help. Well, maybe it did. Maybe it kept them around for the extra year that, that I feel like they... I mean, they, they, they stuck it out, you know, um, for a Rocky launch to have a live service game stay around an expensive live service game based on a very expensive license. It's kind of crazy that they lasted the, the three years. Honestly, Ryan, you're nailing it. There's no, the only surprising thing here is that this did not happen earlier. Like yeah. that's really like for me, you know, they, whenever they would announce like, Oh, now we've got the Jane Foster Thor or we're doing the winter soldier. I was like, really? I'm like, there, there's enough people, <laughs> uh, you know, hanging around, even with the whole black Panther campaign came out, which was, I think their last, like, you know, significant content job beyond a sort of like, singular characters without a ton of story associated with them um even at that time i was like i can't believe this is this must be it you know and, and so so i mean they they gave it the old college try and like it's funny because really all we're mourning here is the live service game that nobody wanted to begin with the the um the campaign my understanding is that the, the base game which has a solid story campaign uh, and all of that stuff re will remain playable. Like really all that's going away is the thing that we were all annoyed with in the first place. For the most part. I mean, there's, there's some, there's some interesting details here in the sense that, um, yes, if you own the game, you will own it forever. You'll be able to, they will, they will keep it accessible for as long as possible, but because it's tied to a live service game, there is a possibility that it could go away, you know, like it could, uh, they would, I, I don't like it. It can operate in offline mode and maybe it doesn't need to check into those servers. And I would hope that would be the case. Um, but uh, what they're doing at the end of September is you will no longer be able to buy the game. Um, you will, it'll be taken off of digital store shelves and um, uh, no, you know, once the physical media has run out, it's run out, you know, which um happens a lot more than we think when it comes to games like games run you know go to print and uh you know some companies shut down entire stores looking at you nintendo um so like with this specific instance like what they're doing is at the end of march they're basically releasing the last patch which will make everything free so all the cosmetics um all the well yeah all the cosmetics will be free they'll be given to you you'll be able to play um with your with your Spider-Man looking like, if you have PlayStation, uh, your Spider-Man looking like, you know, all the movie Spider-Mans. And same with Thor and uh, Iron Man. And, and you know, where this news kind of came out of left field is like they, they were still announcing like paid cosmetic DLC like a week before this, this news broke. So, you know, I, I don't think this was something that they they planned for to happen at the end of March. But obviously it, it kind of came down to like, okay... You know, when are we ending this thing? Because, you know, Crystal Dynamics, they're working on a new Tomb Raider game. They, they've got a lot in the pipeline. And I and I think like, you know, a large, expensive live service game that is not lighting the world on fire anymore. As you said, their last big addition that really drew a lot of like um, a lot of eyes was, I think, the Black Panther expansion. And, and I really liked it. And I thought, oh, man, if they do more of this, like 
you know, give me more single player campaign. But that's expensive, you know, because they give it away for free. Uh, and I don't know how many people were buying, you know, um, the Thor 2 cosmetic. So maybe that's what did them in. It's just funny because it's like they were, from the beginning, you know, people uh, when this game was first revealed, people were talking about how like they the, these heroes were caught in the uncanny valley between like they had the world's most valuable property in the MCU, essentially. Um, and then they have the Marvel comic books and then these existed somewhere in between and people were, you know, already disappointed before the game was even released. Oh yes. They don't look like the MCU characters. Oh, don't worry. They're going to be our own version on the characters, but they all seem, you know, relatively, uh, bland. All of this leaves me wondering where Marvel is in games moving forward because, um, it's, they've had these mega hits, right? Like, so obviously Spider-Man is a, a big one and Guardians of the Galaxy, I think despite the sales numbers not being great, everybody recognizes that it's a great, it was a great game. Um, and, and those are like tailored experiences for those characters. Then the Nintendo Switch had that Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 that came out and was soon forgotten where all the characters were on board and such. And then they, they've they had this game. And But this game was the cornerstone game of their major characters. Now there's supposedly some sort of Captain America Black Panther game by Amy Hennig or like some sort of adventure game that's that's in the in the making that was announced a while back but like beyond that like these cornerstones the iron man's that can no longer exist in the mcu because you know robert downey jr has moved on there's opportunity to bring these characters to life in video game form i'm just curious like what is the direction moving forward for these for these marvel characters now that this game which seemed like the major game for a lot of them is is now going to be gone right yeah. Yeah. Well, I, as you said, there's um, Spider-Man 2 and uh, the Wolverine game from Insomniac that that will be coming probably next year or the year after that. But, um, you know, I think Marvel will continue to exist in games. But I think that uh, you'll see it'll be a while before you see someone try to tackle something as big as the Avengers, you know, like that was a huge undertaking. And I think it was um the reaction to it was uh, was kind of hindered by the the live service aspect of it. Like I don't, people don't, people didn't want that. They wanted like something like Spider Man, and I think when you're competing with Spider Man, um, the Insomniac Spider Man, like you kind of <laughs> you're kind of already starting like, oh man, is it as good as Spider Man? I mean, you even saw it with Midnight Suns. Like people, I loved it, but you know, a lot of people were asking like, well, is it like is it as good as Spider Man? It's like, well, no, like even they got the Spider-Man guy from Spider-Man and even he isn't as good as Spider-Man, you know, but it's still a really solid game. And I really enjoyed the combat and, and I enjoyed all the, the Abby stuff too. But um, I think Marvel's going to look to make more, you know, higher end triple A experiences going forward and try to avoid, hopefully avoid like another Avengers issue where it's like, well, let's, we can build this game and then we can have a bunch of cosmetics, you know? And, and that may be true, but like, I think, uh, I think I th I hope they learned a lesson here uh, with this one because um, there's a lot of good stuff about Marvel's Avengers, and there was some not so great stuff. So uh, we'll see what's next in uh, for Marvel uh, soon. Uh, and speaking of what's next, uh, there was a lot of layoffs going on uh, in the tech sector lately, and one of those uh, hit uh, Microsoft and and especially three four three studios. 
And there was a lot of news going around that, you know, um, a lot of issues happening at 343. Um, and, you know, that had impacted uh, Halo Infinite's development. And, you know, there was questions as to whether 343 would even lead the, the, the future development of Halo games. Um, but uh, 343 actually put out a, a statement to counteract those those stories that were going around in that uh, 343 will develop Halo games now and into the future, uh, even following these layoffs. So 343 isn't going anywhere. Similar to how the Coalition was put put together to build Gears games, 343, which was put together to build Halo games, they're going to keep making Halo games, um, both story and multiplayer. And that was all in their statement there. So um, those folks that were hoping for there was a, uh, the story was, I guess, that 343 would be like the the licensee, like more of a Lucasfilm type or LucasArts type setup. And um, they would they would license out the Halo IP to other other studios to build games. Uh, that does not appear to be the case. It appears as though 343 will continue. Um, are you a big Halo guy, uh, Crofton? Did you play Infinite at all? I did play Infinite uh, a fair amount. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I don't even think I finished the campaign though. It was a lot, and I was, I was into it, but not so into it. I'm not a you know I'm not the Halo guys that read the books, Ryan, um, and uh, and that's that know every inch of the lore. Um, that said, I presuppose that there will always be a new Halo. Um, and what what worried me, it's funny going from um, Avengers into this, is because both Avengers, Avengers, uh, when it was announced, was there was the comparisons were like it was going to be a Destiny like, and that there was this new type of game that that could exist, and and we saw Anthem, and we saw Avengers, and we saw these games, everybody chasing that that type of model thinking this was the way of the future. And when they announced the name Halo Infinite, it was like, oh, this is going to be like a never ending Halo platform where they just, you know, put stuff and and, and it's not going to be like just a regular Halo game. I was really worried. Like I was like, oh, there goes Halo. You know, it's just going to be, they're just going to have this platform. They're going to update stuff, but that's not really what happened. If anything, Halo Infinite fans are upset because they're not getting enough updates. Um, And it does have, you know, it is a single player story. Like there is a big, uh, it is a, a regular Halo game in which presupposes there will be other Halo games in the future. And I truly believe that there will be. That's too big a cash cow for Microsoft to ever let, uh, you know, oh, well, you know what? Let's just not do Halo anymore. That's not going <laughs> to happen. Never never was that anything that ever crossed my mind. What I do feel bad for is all the people who lost their jobs, both in this situation and there were other there were job losses across the media spectrum. This week, GameSpot, Giant Bomb, The Washington Post, tons of people lost their jobs in games media. Um, g- going into what I think is going to be one of the biggest years ever for video games seems kind of nonsensical, but uh, you know, this is the way it is. I feel bad for all of those folks, including the folks at three, four, three, but uh, I mean, never, never did I think there would be no halo Ryan. Yeah, no halo will continue forever. Uh, it is the, it is the Mario of Microsoft. Uh, there will always 
be a Halo in development. Um, and yeah, like, I, yeah. <laughs> I liken it to like Activision, like, like this didn't happen, but Activision la- laying off a whole bunch of people at Sledgehammer Games or something. And then Sledgehammer putting out a, a statement being like, don't, don't worry. There's still going to be Call of Duty. <laughs> and I'd be like, dude, I wasn't worried. No. I knew there would be Call of Duty. <laughs> No, yeah, so, call, there's always there is always a Call of Duty, and in the case of Call of Duty, there's always two or three Call of Duties. In the yeah, exactly. Um, whereas I I truly do believe there's at least one, maybe one and a half Halo games that are in development. So, but yeah, it, it was it's been a really rough uh, couple weeks for the tech sector, and as you said, in, in in video game journalism as well, which is it's astounding. Like even even just looking at The Last of Us uh, as a as a as a property on HBO. Um, adapted from video games, it's one of the biggest entertainment products that is out right now, and and you know, uh, there's just this huge you know layoff in in journalism for video games, and it's like I don't, I, as you said, it's going to be the biggest year. Like there's something huge out every month, and um, the way the cycle works in media, like there's just it's there's always something to talk about, and it just it seems insane to uh, to have less folks talking about it. Um, so yeah, it is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, we uh, you know the whole reason we recorded late is because we were going to talk about this Xbox and Bethesda Developer Direct, uh, which took place on Wednesday afternoon, uh, at least here Eastern time, and there was five projects that they were sort of focusing on. Um, the first of which was uh, Minecraft Legends, which is uh, now has an April release date. And that one looks to be, you know, I've I, I have not played a lot of Minecraft um, and to an even more so degree, I've not played any of the spinoffs, but it it seems like they keep trying to make these like Minecraft spinoffs. And I don't know, like it's uh, I, I often wonder, like, are people are people interested in the look and feel of Minecraft within other gameplay styles? Like I know the um, the last one that came out was like Minecraft, but it was like a like a like a Diablo like um, I'm trying to remember well Minecraft Dungeons what it was called yeah yeah Minecraft it, Dungeons it did pretty well I feel like like enough that they're they're making more of these this this uh, Legends game is like an action strategy game it it looks interesting I, I mean it's on Game Pass so here's the deal is like uh, Minecraft is one of the biggest games in the world uh, Microsoft paid a ton of money for it. Um, they're going to try to find ways to monetize something that really, you you know, it's a game where you build so like you can build anything within Minecraft. The impetus for a Minecraft 2 or anything like that is very minimal. Uh, so you, you, you know, you keep iterating on it. And then it's like, how are other ways we can make money surrounding this brand? Like if you go into a kid's store and they're in the book section, like half the books are like cool things you can build in Minecraft, the books, you know, and... Uh, and so kids love Minecraft. Um, parents know and trust, I think, the name Minecraft at this point. There's a game that has Minecraft in it for a certain subset of children in particular, or, or uh, I think it's going to appeal. Like there may be gamers uh, in adults that are big into the the Minecraft games uh, beyond the original, like the spinoffs and stuff. I've heard good things about minecraft dungeons i think it would really depend if you were into that type of game and if it was well made and like honestly like i was thinking of like it'd be fun to play a diablo like with 
my kid who's now eight, but I don't want her slaughtering the monsters of hell with massive <laughs> blood splatter everywhere. I'm like, what else is there? And so like, as they explore these, you know, for Mario and rabbits, like for XCOM uh, or, or Minecraft for, for Diablo, as these family friendly brands explore these spaces, I truly believe there are audiences for that. It's just, I mean, they might not be me, uh, unless I was playing with my daughter, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Minecraft Legends, again, will be coming April 18th. Uh, Xbox, all, all platforms, I actually looked into it. Uh, PlayStation, Switch, PC, So, but uh, available on Game Pass on Xbox and PC at launch. Uh, the next game they uh, raced into was Forza Motorsport, uh, which is basically like, how can we make this look as real as possible that forza game uh side of the franchise so you have forza horizon which is the more fun or in my opinion the more fun arcadey game kind of uh injecting my own thoughts in there but uh forza motorsport is the more gran turismo answer from microsoft it's a very realistic racing game um they showed a lot of gameplay in their they're targeting 4k 60 frames per second with ray tracing and they announced there'll be a bunch of you know 20 real uh recreated locations a bunch of cars you know more than 500 cars that's a lot of cars crofton um i don't know how many cars you own but in forza motorsport you'll have over 500 so Jeez. can i drive a hyundai elantra probably maybe i mean is that a fast car or can it go fast? I guess. I mean, it depends who's driving, Ryan. Let's say for the sake of argument, you're driving. How fast can it go? Like maybe 140. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, but uh, I look, I will be honest. And I mean, I'm, I think this is not an, a popular opinion in the sense that I think there is an audience for Forza games. There obviously is. I do. I I was hooked on the last Forza Motorsport in the uh, not Motorsport uh, Horizon that was released. That was a I think a big breakthrough title for them. They didn't expect it to do that well. It went beyond the traditional Forza audience, and I really really liked it. Um, I know they then pivot to Forza Motorsport, and I admit I watched the trailer. This thing looks legit amazing in terms of graphics as these car games always do i remember when gran turismo 2 came out on playstation 1 i remember turning to my friend and being like games will never look better than this um and uh and like uh, same with gran turismo 3 on uh ps2 i was like this is amazing this is it we've reached the apex um but uh but yeah i my interest level for the car porn games that are like you can tweak every piece of the car and like, um, you know, you're on a closed circuit or close track. Like I, I definitely have friends that are really keen on these for me, like zero interest. And honestly, I now also associate them with the, with the um, down days of Microsoft because Microsoft, you know, as people have been complaining year in year out about their lack of exclusives the running joke seems to be that whenever they have one of these there's a forza there's maybe something about gears or something about halo you know maybe one other thing and then they they leave you know uh, and the one thing i will say for forza is it's reliable they're unlike all their other franchises that don't seem to ever come out you know forza is going to hit the mark every time which is great for that fan base i'm just not one of them 
Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it'll be on Game Pass, uh, so you can jump in for a few races. And I mean, for me, it's like it's uh, it 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 comes down to like just how how good it looks and and how like realistic of a racing game it would look. But I I really am not a fan of the simulation racing. I'm more of a arcadey uh, type racer. So you know, um. We we also uh, got uh, the fact that Elder Scrolls announced their new expansion will be arriving in June. Um, they also announced that it will have a new class, the Arcanist. Arcanist. Um, it's titled Necrom. Um, the chapter is taking players back to Morrowind. And they also revealed that they are making all 20 previous chapters in DLC free to play for a limited time. So if you want to jump into Elder Scrolls Online and be overwhelmed by the amount of content that's released over the last six years, good luck. There's lots in there for you to enjoy. We talked about um, uh, Tango Gameworks Hi-Fi Rush earlier in the show. It shadow dropped a new term Crofton learned today. Uh, It's out now on Game Pass and um, Xbox and PC. Uh, But there is one final game that they spent a, a good chunk of time on, which was Redfall which is the next game from Arcane and Bethesda coming on May 2nd. And I thought this was like a Left 4 Dead type game, mainly because we were f- we were focused more on like battling of vampires, but also the four player co-op. But it's like, it's more of an open world first person shooter sort of Far Cry style game. Is that accurate? I think... It's an arcane game, and yes. and what I mean, and, and that's what um, I think fooled. I think we're doing the ex- everybody's doing the same thing they did with this uh, Death Loop, which I did as well. Which is being like, oh look, they're trying to chase the fad. You know, it's like some live service game or it's some multiplayer thing or whatever. I've always been like that when 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 presented the marketing of something that you don't understand because for me i legit they'd show death loop just like when they were showing marvel avengers and they could not explain what the marketing was and i'm like so is it a live service game or is it got a campaign yes to both it's got it all it's everything you're like okay i still don't understand and uh it was the same with death loop but then death loop came together as like this pinnacle of design and you were like wow they were right it is all those things and i think that redfall is the same it's going to be like this giant world or giant world large enough world that will be literally handcrafted by redfall uh that by arcane in the same way that their their environments and prey or dishonored are completely like handcrafted with like books you can read or audio logs or just bits and that that we're going to fill out this larger story that will be way more dense than people think and then on top of that there, there will be this multiplayer thing now now they're talking four players and when I look at these things about these skills working together and you watch the video, it looks like uh, well, it looks like something like Left 4 Dead or it looks like a lot of shooting and bang, bang or whatever. And I recognize that like one of the things about Dis- Deathloop and all these games is I like taking my time, like looking around desks and finding stuff. And this game is going to be dense with stuff. You can see from the video that it's dense with stuff. You want to stop and look at things and having three other players like being like blah 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 let's go here let's go there i mean doesn't seem super appealing to me on the hop but i am willing to give them the the benefit of the doubt i think that their design ideas are really cool and they're but they're anchored around this principle that the world 
is very explorable and handcrafted and storytelling happens in like this organic way and unfolds in this organic way. I, th I think they're tight designers. I think it's going to come together. Well, do I like vampires? No, not really. Uh, is that going to, is that going to reduce my possible enjoyment of this game? Probably. Uh, but that said, I anticipate this one being a surprise hit. Like, you know, there's all it's coming out like with the Zelda, uh, and uh, you know, uh, obviously people are excited about that. But I think this game is going for a different market. It's going to be on Game Pass day one. Uh, like, I wouldn't be surprised at end of the year when we're having Game of the Year discussions that this be like one that we did not expect. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I I wasn't so sure about Redfall before this presentation. I, I I think, as you said, kind of like inputting my own sort of biases into it of like, oh, it's, it kind of looks like a Left 4 Dead. And I mean, we just had Back for Blood. And I was really excited for Back for yeah, Blood. And, yeah, yeah. You know, it didn't quite stick the landing for me. Like, I, it was almost too much like Left 4 Dead. It's like, okay, so we don't want another Left 4 Dead. What do we want? And, and maybe Redfall's it. I think when we saw that trailer... And they kind of broke it down a little bit more because we hadn't seen much before this. There was there was a bit of gameplay and like a cinematic trailer because it was just announced last year. Um, as far as I, I remember. I bet you, I'm going to say it right now. I bet you Redfall is a better game than Starfield. Like, yeah, and and they're both they're both coming out this year. I know Redfall has existed in the shadow of Starfield. It's the same big company, Bethesda, same Microsoft. Obviously, uh, they're often both shown together. You know, last time I think Redfall was shown in the middle, and Starfield got the big uh, endpoint. This time, it's it's different. They're going to do something separate for Starfield. I think Starfield will be good in the way that I said off the top, you know, games that you're hyped for that you expect to be good. And then th the only way they have to go is either down or meet expectations. I feel people will play Star uh, Starfield will be like, hey, this is pretty good. It's got bugs, Bethesda style. Um, you know, they'll probably update it, but it'll be like similar to the Bethesda games that you've played before. Like, you know, you know a game like where you talk to an NPC and the world stops moving behind them or, you know, to a certain extent, you know, the Bethesda look of characters and then the quests are going to work the same way. It'll be like playing a fallout in space. Um, I, I, that's my expectation of that. Meanwhile, then, then Redfall is going to sneak up and, and be like this really polished, tightly designed, really fun uh, vampire shooter um, that I think is just going to end up being a better game. That said, like, uh, it's still vampires. And I don't really give a shit about vampires. Damn. And you mentioned Starfield and, uh, they, they did warn ahead of time. It would not be shown during the developer, uh, direct, uh, but, um, yeah, nowhere to be seen and probably for good measure, just in the case that like it would overshadow a lot of these other games. Cause it is a highly anticipated, you know, next release, new IP from, uh, Bethesda itself. So, you know, wasn't shown, but I expect we'll see more in the very near future of Starfield because it is expected by June of this year. Um, but that is going to do it for this episode of The Gamers In. Thank you, Crofton, so much for guesting this week. No problem, Ryan. Yeah. Before you go, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you on the Internet? For sure. Well, first off, they can find me hosting 
the Dungeons and Diapers podcast in my own dungeon, wearing a diaper with my friend Ryan Murphy. We do it every two weeks. We talk about games, we talk about fun stuff, but we also talk about uh, you know parenting and and balancing all that stuff with our our personal lives. Uh, and so you can follow that at D and D Cast on Twitter, or just go to TGI. Oh, wait, is it Ryan? Do the, the business TGI TGI studios.com St- slash that's dad. right. There slash you. dad. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. And you can follow me personally at Croft and Steers on Twitter. Uh, and you'll, you'll get a nice balance of weird gaming tweets and weird government of Canada talk where I, I work and somehow for some reason have not created a second Twitter account. No. Uh, but uh, but yeah, thank you, Ryan, for having me, Jocelyn. I hope you feel better, and thanks to all the uh, residents of the inn. Uh, and looking forward to next time. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks again, Crofton. You can visit us on the web, gamersinpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find Jocelyn at Joss Plays, myself at R Murphy, Crofton at Crofton Steers, and don't forget to follow the show at the Gamers Inn for show updates. Thank you so much for listening. And be sure to tune in next week. We did it. Hi, everybody. Oh, too late. Too late. <laughs> no, no, no I you're fine. You can do it again. Clean, clean cut and go. Bye, everybody. I'll just edit all that in and it'll be fine.